Right, so I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Um, it's the birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to, div to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but you knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Right, our second reading is from 1 John 4 and verse 7 to 10. Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God showed his love for us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. This is what love is. It is not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. Thank you. Good morning, church. Feels weird preaching on a Monday, but I can get used to this. So, if you're joining us for the first time, we're busy in our three-part series, uh, Christ with us, Faith, Hope, and Love. So, just as a quick introduction to, to where we land in today, we've looked at faith, hope, and today is love. So, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 says this, Now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest is love. In week one, we looked at faith, and we, we experienced, we looked at those who experienced Christ with them, the, the shepherds and the, the wise men. They heard God's word, they believed, believed God's word, and this led them to worship. That was the correct response that they, could, they had. In week two, we, we looked at hope, and we discussed that hope isn't like the world sees it, and as you opened your Christmas presents this morning, hope none of you were disappointed, you know, you thought you might get something else, or that big box was actually just another box inside a box inside a box. But, but Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and being convinced of what we do not see. It is, it is secure, it is secure because of who Christ is, and He secures our past, our present, and our future. But today we're going to see how, how faith and hope would never have been possible without God's love for us. This is why the Apostle Paul says, and the greatest of these is love. Because of Christ, we, we can experience faith, we can experience hope. Without Him, we have nothing. So if any of the kids want, there are coloring in books at the back and pencil crayons. Um, or if you, if you want to do it yourself, we won't look down on you. But just three points today. Firstly, that Jesus is the source of God's love. 
Jesus is the proof of God's love, and God's love is seen as the reason for Christmas. So firstly, looking at the source of, of love is God. As Debbie read in 1 John 4 verse 7, it says, for, for love is from God. Love exists because God exists. In actual fact, we read in, in the next verse, it says, God is love. It's not just something that he does, it's not just something that he shows, but rather it's the very nature of who he is. If you took the love of God away, you take God away. You take away his, not just one part of him, but every part of him. The one thing that we discover, the more we get to know God, the one thing that stands out about, above all other is his love, that God is a loving God. It is not just that we, we emphasize God's love. There are other attributes and characteristics, but God's love stands out as we look through the Christmas story, as we look through our, our own salvation experience. We read in 1 John 4 verse 8, it also says, if anyone does not know, anyone does not love, they do not know God. So in other words, it's saying that our love comes from who God is. It's not, a, it's not an attribute that we, we do well by ourselves, but with God we can do it. It's because the love of God that flows out of us. It's, it's His love that, that we show to others. And the main fact is that God wants to be associated with love. God is a God of love. God is a God of justice. God is a God of mercy. And today that is what we're going to look at. But the problem that we face as we, as we deal with this, this topic is, is how, how do we know that God is a loving God? You know, how, how can we tell people, how can we experience it, how can we see it? The issue that we sit with today is that no one has seen God. So it's hard, we can't go, well, there's evidence, look, he's standing here, ask him yourself. The problem is that God is invisible, but what is the proof that, that God is a loving God? It's nice to hear that God is a loving God, it's nice to, to know that, but, but I know there's some of you today who, who want the facts, who want the evidence for, for God being a loving God. And this leads us to our second point, that the proof of God's love is Christmas Day. 1 John 4 verse 7, it says, In this God's love was, made, was manifest or shown among us, that God sent His only Son into this world so that we might live through Him. Today we celebrate that. That God's love was shown amongst us when God sent His Son into this world. Today, that's what we celebrate. The birth of Christ. The moment where God showed immeasurable love for you and me was the mo is the same moment that we celebrate Christmas. The Son of God took on the form of a baby. Christ with us. God with us. He dwelt on earth. He was born in a manger. Not in a, not in a palace. Not with doctors and just there in a manger with the animals. Humility was, was on display. But Christ is the reason that we, we can celebrate this season. He's the evidence of God's love with us. The famous verse, John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is what we, we come here to celebrate, that, that God sent his Son into this world. But the question is, how do, we, how do we measure how much someone loves you? How do we measure love? So, so I have an interesting story. It works out well because it's Christmas Day and it was her Christmas present. 
So for, for Christmas, I gave Megan a dressing table. If I will show you photos if you're interested. Um, of, of what the table looked like when I, when I started. Rog, Rog has first-hand experience of what it looked like. It was painted and cracked and full of nails and half falling apart. It's now all together. So it's, it's, it's a good, good success there. But as I thought about this and, and thinking about it, it, it firstly, it required thoughtfulness. You know, what color was I going to paint it? What was going to need to be fixed? What color was I going to stain the wood? Were there going to be drawers? How big was the mirror going to be? How, where was it going to stand? What other details were there going to be on this table? It wasn't just that I walked into the garage and just started cutting and hoped for the best. I've learned my lessons by doing that. Secondly, it required planning. As I said, how long, each need, how long was each piece of wood needed to be? How wide was the drawer going to be? How deep was the drawer going to be? How long were the runners going to be? The third one was the cost. What paint would I use? How much would it cost? How much would I need? Did I need one liter? Did I need five liters? What parts would I need? Galmar became my best friend. I think I was there every day trying to find stuff. And fourthly, time and effort. It required stripping off layers and layers of paint. I think if I counted correctly, there were about four different layers of paint before I got to wood. Um, a couple of chemical burns later from the paint stripper. You know, it took time to, to paint the details on the leg. If anyone has to paint a turned leg, it requires a lot of little finesse to get inside those grooves. But the truth of the story is that I love Megan, and this moment was, was a way in which I could show it. It was a way in which I could go, I love you, and I'll put my love into action. And as I thought about this, this is a picture of God's love for us. As God planned this day of, of sending his son to, to be born on the earth, it was thought out. He had you in the foremost of his mind. It wasn't just an accident. He didn't just, Jesus didn't just rock up here on earth and, and we hope for the best. This was a thought out plan of God. And, and secondly, it was, it was planned. Matthew, Matthew, 1, Matthew 1 verse 1 to 17 the, the section that most of us skip when we, when we start reading Matthew. The list of the genealogy that leads up to Christ, from, from Abraham to Jesus. It shows us how God carefully planned 42 generations of people from different places, different times, so that as Galatians 4 verse 4 says, at the right time, Christ could be born. It was planned over hundreds and hundreds of years. This wasn't just a, a whoopsie. This was God's plan. Thirdly, we look at the cost. That God the Father sent His only Son into this world. Nothing, there's nothing that's more precious. There's nothing that could have cost Him more than to send His own Son to this earth. Not just to this earth to live and one day get beamed back up to heaven, but to this earth to die on the cross for sin. He knew the cost when He was sent God knew what it was going to cost him to, to, to send his son. And fourthly, it required time and effort. Every second of every minute of every hour, Jesus had to resist sin because he knew his purpose was to die on the cross to save you and me. It, it wasn't just that he was here for a few minutes and then he was gone and, and the deal was done. But it required time and effort. He, he built relationships. He shared 
his message with others. And that is why the Apostle John in this, says, in this, in this passage says, is not finished He's not finished yet talking about the love of God, but he has one more point. And he says that God's love is seen in the reason of Christmas. The reason for Christmas. So in 1 John 4 verse 10. In this, sorry. (laughs) In this is love, not that you have loved God, but that he had loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Or as Debbie read, which I love, a means for our sin. The significance of Christmas is that it was the first step towards the cross. Often we put a full stop when we, we talk about Christmas. You know, Christ was born, full stop. But rather this is the, the grand opening to this, this scene that's going to be unveiled across eternity. That Christ was born to, to make a way for our sins to be forgiven. And, and we own, that only makes sense when you look at Christmas through the cross. Because Christ just being born doesn't really change much. But his death on the cross makes a way for us to come back to God. In the passage that Megan read, we see that the angel told Joseph to to call his son Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. This is why Christ came. The name Jesus is derived from from Joshua, which means God saves. This was God's plan. Jesus was God's plan to save his people. Christmas only makes sense when you, when you understand the greater plan of, of God sending his son to die on the cross to take away our sin. But the question that we have to ask is, how can God be angry at our sin but love us at the same time? How can God have a, a disposition to our sin but still love us? That the, Bible, the Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That was the love that he showed us. So how does this work? Being angry at sin is what we call justice, so the justice of God. And as we, as we look at our own lives, we, we all get angry when, when something's done against us or against those we love. How many of you have been bullied or, or had someone break into your house and steal your stuff or tell a lie about you? How many moms and dads here have got angry when their child is cheeky? And we want justice for that. But we often ask the question, if God is a loving God, why can't he just let us off the hook? If God is a loving God, why can't he just sweep our sin under the carpet? And, and, and then it's done. It's there. The carpet may have a big bump in it, but it's, you can't see it out of sight, out of mind. Why can't he just let us, let us off the hook? And often we ask that, if I'd ask you that question, if, if you were the one who has been wronged, if you were the one who, who's had someone break into your house or, or someone bully you or someone take something of yours, you find yourself that you don't want to let that person off the hook. You want justice. You don't just, ah, oh, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll let it slide. We sit and go, we want, we want justice. We want them to to face the, the penalty for the crime that they've committed. So as we look at this, it, it depends on which side of the fence we sit on. If you're the one that's done something wrong, if you're the one who's guilty, the easiest thing is to ask for, for mercy and forgiveness. Unless you're the one who's grieved. Unless it's against you, you want justice. 
And this is where God's at, that God needs justice for, for the sin that we have committed. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a massive issue that's created. How could God love us while still meeting his need for justice? After all, just as we get angry for the sin that's done against us, God gets angry for the sin that we've done against him. Sin ruins everything that we touch. But God's solution is this, that, that he showed remarkable love for us. There, is only, there was only one way that he could do this, by sending his son into this world. The reason we are today to be a gift offered up on the cross to remove God's anger against our sin. Recently, I was having a conversation and, and someone said these words that, that the, the wrath of God, God's need for justice, sent Jesus to the cross. But the love of God kept Jesus on the cross. That there was a plan, there was a purpose that he was there. It wasn't just that God was angry, but it was that God wanted to show love and reconcile us back to himself. God gets angry at sin, but will always love. His love has made a way where there was no other way for us. And Jesus becomes the propitiation, the means for our sin, the only way that it could be dealt with. Our own efforts don't do it. Our own attempts don't even come close. But it was only through that way that, only through Jesus that we could have access to God. This was done before we even knew, or before we even loved him. 1 John 4 verse 10. It says, It was not that we loved God first, but that he loved us. Our hearts were far from him. Our hearts were, were on the other side of the ocean. We wanted nothing to do with him. We were utterly undeserving of the love that he showed us. But God sent his son into the world so that we could have forgiveness. That, that on the cross, that that we could be reconciled with God. So as we wrap up today, there's, there's two responses that we can have to this. So for those who, who don't know Christ, who are still seeking who Christ is and what he has said, as we've said that this is a gift, the gift of God, this love that he has shown us is, is there on offer for the whole world. However, it's like every other gift, you actually have to take it. A gift under the Christmas tree doesn't just sit there. It doesn't just jump into your lap. Someone has to, you have to go and fetch it. If you stand before God today, and we all will one day, what will you present to him as your reason for, for not exercising his justice against your sin? Is it your good efforts or your well-meaning intentions? Or your religious behavior? Or are you a spiritual person? But there's only one answer that will turn away the, the anger of God. And that is, I believe in Jesus Christ. I have accepted the Lord, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And as we looked at, at, at week one, we have to have faith. We need to hear and believe and take hold of what God is saying. We actually have to grip it. It can't just be in our heads, but it needs to go into our heart. It needs to drop from your head into your heart that, that is what you believe and what you you hold on to. And in week, week two, we, we learned that Christ becomes our hope of salvation. Without him, we live in a world that is hopeless. But with him, we have hope. With him, our salvation is secure. But for the believer today, one of the easiest things in the world to do is, is to doubt the love of God. 
Otherwise, Jude wouldn't have said in Jude 21, keep yourself in the love of God. Often when the, the world seems to be falling apart around us, we, we doubt the love of God. The quickest way that, that Satan gets our faith to fall apart is, is to cause us to doubt the love of God. So perhaps this year has been one that has caused you to doubt the love of God. You may have faced financial difficulty, marital difficulty, a broken relationship, fears of your children, fears of your, your future. It may be a, it's a difficult season for us as a church. The list is endless as we look at this. It's easy to doubt the love of God. But today I challenge you to, to remember the love of God. As we celebrate this Christmas season, the love of God sent Jesus to the world. This is what we celebrate. Today, God is calling us to look at Christmas as the evidence for the love for each of us. He didn't want to withhold his only son to save He did not, sorry. If he did not withhold his only son to save us, how much more will he love us through what lies ahead? How much more will he love us as we, as we go through these seasons of life? He has proven his love for you and me. Our salvation secures that. But now we need a living confidence of that as well. So as we go into this season, let us remember that, that Emmanuel, God, is with us. That Christ's birth makes a way for us to, to enter into heaven. So as I close off, I'm going to close in prayer, but I feel like Roger and I will, will be up at the front. So if there's anyone who wants to talk or, or has some more questions about what we've shared or what I've shared today, I know Roger and I will be around and we'll be happy to chat with you if there's anything you, you need help with. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, for, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can be here today to celebrate this season, Lord, that, that you sent your son to the world, Lord. Not, not just because, Lord, but rather you had a plan, you had a purpose to, to make a way for us to be forgiven of our sin, Lord. So, Lord, I pray as we go from here that, that it won't just be into the, into the chaos of today, Lord, but I pray that we'll have a moment to just ponder, to, to contemplate where we're at with you. Lord, do we know you? Are we doubting who you are, Lord, that, and just in that, that your love will, will surround us, that, that we know that we are found in you, Lord, that, that your love has, has made a way for us to be forgiven, that your love has, has opened the door that, that we can enter in. So, Lord, we thank you for this. Pray for this in your name. Amen.